This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now, from BetQL, it's time for the Daily Tip with Michael Jenkins. Dang it, he's talented, and let's be honest, I go for ambition, not luck. And Chelsea Messenger. Don't kill the messenger, or the messenger will kill you. Hey, Dad, don't forget about me, the dunkster. Presented by BetMGM. Rise and shine, people. It's hour two of the Daily Tip here on the BetQL Network, starting right now. In this hour, we've got a lot lined up for you guys, if you stick with us. In this segment, we'll look at the NBA slate, NBA futures, NBA headlines, everything you need to know to get caught up on the NBA. If you've been only following football for the last few months, uh, then at 7.20, on to the biggest college basketball matchups of the day. And then at 7.40, a very early look at Major League Baseball because pitchers and catchers are reporting. Mm. Spring training is about to be underway. So we'll give you a little refresher course on what's happening in baseball. And I know there are some sad folks out there saying, oh, the NFL's over. <sighs> the weekends are going to be boring again. But here's the thing. It's almost similar to... Having a show you really like on Netflix, Hulu, whatever, and it ends. And then you have to find another show. And at the start, it feels daunting. You say, I'm never going to love another show like that. I love that one. It had such a good huh. ending. The season was so good. The script writers were amazing this year. But listen, eventually you find another show and you end up liking it. But you just have to give it a chance. That's how I feel about the NBA that's how I feel about college hoops. You have to do the homework to kind of get into it. But once mm-hmm. you do, you'll find yourself liking it more and more. And Jenks, I had this kind of feeling with, I told you about I was watching The Crown and then they changed casts and I was like, all right, yeah. I'm out. Uh, so I had to look for a new show and I found one that I am very much into. I have started oh. watching Outlander. And I feel embarrassed to say mm. that because it's very, <laughs> uh, it's a period piece. It's set in okay. Scotland and it's a show that is very far from my normal life. And here's my theory. I have noticed when I need a break from life, I go to shows that are very far-fetched. Like the more in fantasy huh. that they are, the okay. more I need a break from things. Do you think people watch these type of shows are the people who need an escape from life. Like when I watch Harry Potter or any of these shows that are like not even close to being real life, that's when like something's going on in my life where I feel like I need an escape. Do you think there's a theory there that's like the more you need a break, the more you watch fantasy type shows? Oh yeah, I think you just, I think it depends on A, well, you want to get away and then B, there's Mm -hmm. some sort of comfort there. 
And that comfort can be in something that for some reason is soothing to you or something that is far-fetched or something that is sci-fi or whatever it is. It's an escape. That's what it is more than anything else. Whatever your chosen genre is, it's just being able to kind of lose yourself for a while in something that takes you away from reality, whatever that is. I think that's absolutely true. Yeah, because for me, when I watch these period pieces, the women clearly have a different role. And so I say to myself, I'm like, listen, at least I'm not betrothed to somebody and, you know, marrying somebody for like five chickens and an acre of land. It could be a lot worse. At least I get to have an opinion. And God forbid, if these women were trying to bet on sports, you know, they'd call him a witch. Like she's a witch. She knew the outcome of this game. <laughs> so I don't think I would do well in those time periods. I, well, I don't know, Chelsea. I, I feel like you would be, you would immediately tell people how you feel. You would have no issue saying, this is exactly how I feel. This is how it is. I'm going to be honest with you. And you would probably be persecuted for that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I would be persecuted for either being a witch or having a smart mouth, which are two things that are not great for women in like the 16th century. So thank God that I am in the here and the now. All right, Jinx, let's talk some NBA and get caught up what's going uh, on around the league. So if you're looking for something wrong with the Clippers, because right now it's hard to find something. The Clipper Clippers mm -hmm. have looked like the best team in the Western Conference, but here's a little breadcrumb. And you'll tell me if this is something that we need to be aware of or okay. if it's something that's okay. It's just something that comes along with the territory because apparently the Clippers sent two players home from their road trip. P.J. Tucker and Bones Highland, which are role players, but I feel like they're familiar role players. You've heard of P.J. Tucker, was a big part of uh, the Milwaukee Bucks when they made their run in the NBA Finals. Bones Highland playing with the Nuggets previously. A great story there with, you know, his career. So I was kind of shocked to see this. With P.J. Tucker, apparently the reason he got sent home was because he's not happy with his playing time, which when you're playing for a good team – this is, it's not a problem that always happens, but somebody's going to be the odd man out. And it's been PJ Tucker. So here's what he did and what you probably shouldn't do if you're unhappy with your job. He said, quote, all this bleep is a bleeping joke on Instagram after the trade deadline pass. So Jenks, do you think there is a more graceful way to handle not playing the minutes that you want? Yes. And it's not going on Instagram and then immediately saying something that you're going to regret. And I love how guys do this. I think my favorite, I think my favorite example of this was Kadarius Tony. Was it where, no, no. you know, when he went on and he didn't play Super Bowl, and it was crazy where he comes out and he just eviscerates the chiefs. I'm not injured, blah, blah, blah. And then he gets all that blowback. And then what does he say? Hey, no, I was talking about the Giants. It wasn't talking about the Chiefs. Like, everyone knows. Everyone knows you're talking about the Chiefs guy. Like, nobody believes you. You can't go back and just, like, put some white out over it and act like it didn't happen and then shift the blame. There's just – that's not a smart thing to do. And also, the funny thing about this is that you can complain about it, but he's not going anywhere. P.J. Tucker, in particular, he has a player option next season for $11.5 million dollars. So if he's out on the free market right now, there's not a team that's going to sign him 
for more than $11 million. It's just not going to happen. I understand why he wants to play. I get that. But he's kind of stuck unless he wants some sort of release and then just he wants to take his shot and get some playing time somewhere and not make nearly as much money. But he's not going to do that. So what is he going to do? He's going to have to sit on the bench and he's going to have to bide his time. And this is not helping his cause. So when you're not going anywhere and you're kind of stuck because you don't want to lose money, the worst thing you can do is complain because he was already not getting any playing time. And now he's going to make things worse for himself. Not the smartest thing I've seen. Right. And when you want a team to pick up your player option, like they're probably not going to do it. If you're doing this stuff on Instagram, it just feels like one of those instances that if he would have waited 24 hours to calm himself down, say, okay, I'm going to sleep on it. And if in the morning I still want to post this, I'll post it. But come on, man, let yourself cool down. It's the internet. It's forever. They have receipts. So, yeah, (laughs) feels like a dumb move. Uh, Bones Highland, uh, similar situation. He is not happy with his amount of playing time, but they're a good team. Like, what are you going to do? Whatever they're doing now is working. So just because somebody throws a temper tantrum, they're not like, well, you know, he's unhappy. So I know we've been winning all these games, but why don't we let them get a turn? This is not youth league basketball. So I'm sorry, guys. Maybe you're the problem and they're doing great without you. So just keep your mouth shut. It's part of winning basketball, apparently. All right. So let's look at the slate tonight and see if we can win some coin on a Thursday. So we've got only three games tonight, starting with the Bucks and the Grizzlies. Bucks lying 11 and a half, total of 223 and a half. And I do think there is an asterisk that should be put before these games. If I can pronounce asterisk, it is that <laughs> this is the all-star weekend coming up. So Surgeon General's warning, some of these players might be a little checked out. If you've ever experienced the sensation of working a few days before your vacation, you know how it feels. These are humans. I would not be shocked if we see some of the superstars kind of coasting into some of these games. So Jenks, with that in mind, 11 and a half with the Bucks, God. even against a banged up Grizzlies team. I'm not going to lie. It makes me nervous. Ah, oh, God. You talk about a game I don't want to bet, Chelsea. When I was handicapping this game yesterday, I was like, oh, God, what a grind. You ever do that where you start and immediately mm-hmm. when you start going to the numbers or you just have a residual knowledge of each team and you're thinking this is not going to be fun. And this is one of those games where – I, I just want to stay away. Look, the Grizz are the worst team in the league when covering the number at sure. home. At least the Grizz know who they are. They know they suck. They were the Grizzlies. We suck. But the Bucks don't even have any identity at all. And right now, they're coming off that loss to the Heat where Nikola Jovic, not Jokic, Jovic got the start and lit them up. And they were playing good defense for a couple games, and then they just lost it against the Heat. The Bucs have no idea who they are. Doc Rivers is trying to figure things out on the fly. So maybe you lean Bucs just because they can out-talent the Grizz, but this is a huge number. And for a Bucs team that is still figuring it out under their new head coach against a really bad team, ah, this this is a true no play for me. I think this is a tough one because you look at the Grizzlies and it feels like all hope has been abandoned. Like if you look at their injury report and if you look at their starting lineup, it's all of the who's who 
on the injury report and none of the people you know who are actually playing. Like, there's a guy named Gigi Jackson that scored 20 last game. I was like, who is this guy? I've never even heard of him. But the angle that I was looking up was, okay, what about the guys who are trying to make a name for themselves? Because this feels like the time where maybe these guys are extremely motivated still. You know, going into the All-Star break, they're not taking, you know, slacking days because they've mm-hmm. got to stay in the league. I was looking at maybe Luke Kennard, but he's been kind of up and down. He has really not had any massive outbursts as of late. Scoring a double figures, had 19 last game. Because I will say this, defensively, the Bucks are not a team that have been very good. So maybe there's some value on maybe a prop for the Memphis Grizzlies. But still, this is not a team that offensively has a lot going for it. Uh, I couldn't even find like a true point guard in their lineup. So... I don't know. Feels like a complete stay away for me. I tried it, didn't find anything, so we are moving on. Let's go to the Warriors and the Jazz. Warriors laying a point and a half, total of 237 and a half. So, Jenks, you're probably feeling snake bitten by the Jazz. Are you going against them tonight? You know what I'm going to do? This is what I'm going to do. I... I think I'm going to go with Golden State here because the Jazz burned me. So, this is me being bitter after I love... The Jazz got blown out, taking on a Lakers team. It didn't have LeBron in the lineup. That line opened yesterday at three, immediately went to four and a half, then five and a half, and I loved it. Did not matter. But Golden State, surprisingly, has been the best team in the league when playing away from home. I'm not crazy about this either because both teams are on the back end of a back-to-back, and that's harder for me Mm -hmm. to cap. I I think more than anything, I kind of like the over, which is 237 and a half. And the Warriors have sort of ramped up their offense. The Jazz can score a lot. Maybe some tired legs lead to more baskets. I think I'm going to look at the over. I think that's probably going to be my play. I don't like anything in this one. When both teams are coming off a back-to-back, that's when it's really tough. Because usually, okay, if there's one side, maybe you can, like, assimilate something out of that. Also, from a prop standpoint, like, I don't want to play any players coming off a back-to-back because usually – those are not going to be your best performances. So it's a no from me on the side, and it's a no from me on the player props. Uh, big sigh, no. Uh, how about the Timberwolves and the Trailblazers? Maybe our last gasp but finding a good play in tonight's slate. We've got the T-Wolves laying eight and a half. We've got a total of 214 and a half. And a real treat here because these two teams just played each other two nights ago. Uh, so when you see something like this where a team just – you know, played the other team. Do you look yeah. at that result and say, hey, this one's going to play out similarly? The T was just won 121 to 109. Are you reading into that? Or do you say, hey, this is a different game? I I look at that. And then I also think, I also think this could be blowout city for the Blazers. It kind of reminds me of, and it's different, but when you look at the Nets and the Celtics, and then they played, what, two nights ago? And then they were mm-hmm. playing in Brooklyn, and it was a push because the Celtics were favored by eight. And then you think, all right, the number's right there. Then the number increases a little bit. But ultimately, the Blazers are just really, really banged up right now. I mean, Scoot Henderson is out. Malcolm Brogdon is out. And again, the T-Wolves won by 12. So the reference I was making with the Celtics and Nets is that when they played the second time, the Celtics just dominated because they're so much better. And that's what I feel like is going to happen here where Minnesota is just so much better than the Blazers and the Blazers are banged up. I think they limp into the all-star break. So I'm going to lay the eight and a half Minnesota. Actually, that number seems short to me.
Yeah, I think I would lean that direction too. Even though uh would be surprised if Anthony Edwards plays. He scored 41 last time around, but he was a game time decision in that game with knee soreness. He is on the injury report again. One would think that if it's the game going into the all-star break, there's a chance he could be sitting. But I do think overall, the T-Wolves, the fetch much uh must much better squad going into this game. So I would lay it with the T-Wolves. All right, got to get to break. Up next, college hoop. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Let's get back to the Daily Tip with Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Hour two, rolling right along. Hope you're up to a great morning. And if not, maybe we can change the direction. Maybe with some winning bets in college hoops. We'll look at the best games of the slate tonight. Off air, we were just discussing uh, my handicap of NJIT against Albany, which I know is a big audience that everybody wants to hear about that game. But here's the thing about college hoops. Sometimes you can find value with the smaller schools, and especially as March approaches, we are all looking for that Cinderella. So it's never too early to start looking at some of these mid-major schools to say, okay, which are the ones that I need to keep my eye on? I'm not saying it's NJIT. I'm just saying that's a game that caught my eye uh, this morning. But we'll see. Jenks, you did well in March Madness last year, and you keep saying, oh, I'm a college basketball moron. But you know how to handicap games. So when are you going to start to actually bet on college hoops? Never, because I'm 1-0 this season. I'm going to keep my perfect record. I think I won by the hook. (laughs) I mean, at some point, we'll have to dive in and just go all in completely. And I probably will, because now I'm learning more. It's, It's like everything else. It's just seasonal, where I... I know it, but I don't really know it enough to where I feel super confident in my handicapping. So now I'm getting there and now I have more of a sample size. So I think probably over the next couple of weeks, I'll do a better job, at least I hope, of handicapping and getting more into it. But I just like to have, it's like the start of any season. And I know we're into college Mm -hmm. basketball season, but I just like to have more numbers at my disposal. Well, I will say for college basketball, I do think that you will start to see the real teams deeper on into the season because college basketball is one of those sports where the coaches have to figure out their rotations. The transfer portal is such a big deal and there's only Mm -hmm. five guys on the court at a time. So like for a good chunk of the season, it feels like it's a lot of tinkering. So I'm not saying that that's not why you're looking at college basketball games, you know, early on the season. I'm just Mm -hmm. saying that sometimes it takes a while. So, like, if you've been sitting on the sidelines with college hoops, it's not too late. You know, you aren't missing a lot, and I do feel like this is the time where you start paying attention. When you're going into conference tournaments and when these teams have kind of figured out who they are, because we can figure out who they are, and we have a much larger sample size for some of these games. Uh, Before we get to the actual games, a bit of an update for a Big Ten school, Ohio State, pulling the plug on Chris Holtman as head coach. Ohio State is usually a team that has a decent program, 
uh, when it comes to just about every sport. And if you look at his overall record, 137 and 86, but the expectations at Ohio State, the Ohio State, I guess I should say, Mm -hmm. are always a little higher. And it just feels like that's the case here is that uh, the headline is that they've never made the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. So, Jenks, did this shock you, surprise you, anything? It did, but it didn't. And the reason why I say that is that I I think that when you think of Ohio State, you always think of football, and I understand that. But ultimately, mm-hmm. they've had a very good basketball program for a long time, with the exception of the past couple of seasons. And when I was looking deeper into the numbers yesterday, I was surprised. They're 9-25. and 25 or they were 9-25 and 25 under Chris Holtman over the past two seasons. And that's just not going to get it done. Whenever you're at a major university, you might be a football school, doesn't matter. Ohio State still has a pretty strong tradition of basketball. So when you play that poorly in conference and over a two-year span, and also to have a new athletic director coming in, I felt like I was a little surprised that it happened now in the middle of the season. But I think if you take a step back and look at the scope of how they performed relative to – their recent history and relative to expectations, it really has been a huge letdown. So I'm not stunned that it happened. I'm stunned that it happened now. I thought they would wait until the end of the year. Yeah, I think so as well. But when you're flirting with last place in the Big Ten, like that's not a great place to be. Do you ever think that the urgency carries over from one sport to another? Like, do you think Mm -hmm. that there would be any residual effects if instead of Ohio State losing to Michigan this year, if Ohio State won a national title in football, and I know this is a stretch, but, you know, athletic directors are human. Do you think the urgency would still be there to fire a head coach in basketball? I I, I do think that relative to your athletic department success, it can certainly put more pressure on another program particularly if you're talking about basketball compared to football or baseball whenever your athletic department has a lot of money to spend and the athletic department is doing well across the board and you're the one sport particularly a major sport that sticks out that isn't holding up its end then yeah i think the pressure is across the board and also you just naturally receive more of the focus right people are focused in Mm -hmm. on saying why aren't you winning Every other program that we have is having some sort of level of success and you're not. So I think that pressure is added when you have a huge school, because here's the thing. When you talk about an Ohio state or a Texas or a Michigan or Florida, these huge schools, even though they might be quote unquote, like a football school, these are massive universities that have huge basketball fan bases as well. It's not like it's all football and nobody cares about basketball. They still fill up the arena. So maybe it's not as basketball focused, but you still have a large number of alumni who are passionate about the sport. And that adds the pressure as well. Even if you don't think of them as being that way. See, I kind of thought it would go the other way is if you have pissed off boosters that have just watched, you know, your hated rival beat you in football and now you turn the calendar to basketball season and things aren't getting better. Like, don't you think the the pissed offness doubles? <laughs> you got to win at something, right? Like you, it's, it's, I think it's both, honestly. It's like you, A, if you're, if everyone's having success but you, that's one thing. And then if, and here's the thing, Ohio State has had success. So it, it's both mm-hmm. where, all right, 
We've had a ton of success. You need to have success. And also the one program where we want the most success, we're falling behind a little bit to our arch rival, which adds even more pressure to win at a high level. So I don't think it's one or the other. I think it's both. Yeah, I, I can see that. And college sports is so different because boosters actually make a difference. Like as mm -hmm. opposed to in the NFL, like fans, unless you're a part of like the Green Bay Packers and, you know, the the ownership, you don't really yeah. have a say. But like boosters are the ones giving money. So through one avenue or another, they actually have a say. So uh, we'll follow Ohio State. But right now, not looking so great for the Buckeyes. Let's move on to the slate today. Uh, let's start off in ranked action. We've got number 24, Florida Atlantic, like 19 and a half. Total of 147 and oh, a half. Lord. Jenks, when I'm doing my cursory glance through of all the college hoop lines, I don't think I ever even stop to think about taking a line this big. It has to take mm -hmm. a lot for me to really love a line this big because think about it i think for me it's thinking about the worst case scenario if you take a mm -hmm. team laying 19 and a half worst case scenario they lose outright you look like an absolute moron say if you take the other side you know 19 and a half you say hey it's too many points you know worst case scenario they get blown out you say well you know they're getting a lot of points but you know there is a chance that they cover and there is a chance that I don't know. It just feels like you are laying a lot more on the line with your reputation when you're taking 19 and a half with any team. But I will say offensively, this is a good squad. And that's what you need when you're covering or wanting to cover a big number. So Jenks, do you have a feeling here on a spread this large? Oh God. No, I mean, 19 and a half. These numbers today are just bonkers. Florida Atlantic clearly has the experience here going to the final four last year. Mm -hmm. And I don't know a ton about FAU basketball. I'm not going to lie. Also having looked at the owls though, they're not particularly good at covering, covering the number and they haven't been good over their last 10. They're three and seven in their last 10 games against the number away from Philly. And I believe the projection is around 18 for FAU to win. So God, I, I don't want to lay 19 and a half points even against a team that isn't good against the number. That's just so huge. And Florida Atlantic can score. They like to be up-tempo, but that's just, that's a monster number. Oh, nice, nice point by Matt in the chat. They are both owls. Oh, yes. The owls versus the owls. So we're going to take the owls, right? Uh, but you're right. I think if you're sweating a line this big, like, do you really want to be like, you know, glued to the end of this game? hoping they make a free throw at the end to cover 19 and a half and a meaningless cover. No, I don't think that that's the thing for me. I think if you're looking at an underdog like this and saying, okay, you know, if you think they can even contend with a team that has a really good offense, like FAU does, this is a top 15 offense. Would you consider mm -hmm. the over? Like also it's built into the number. So like, let's get yeah. that out of the way. Uh, it's what, 147 and a half? Do you think there's a correlation here if, you know, FAU can score some? Maybe they're trying to hang. Or, excuse me, if Temple can score some and maybe they can hang. Do you think these big uh, big numbers maybe point towards an over? Or I guess you could look at the other side and say, hey, they're going to get boat raced uh, and huh. they're going to take their foot off the gas pedal. Maybe you go with an under. Is there a play for a total here? 
I think that's probably the play is just to go with the over. There's always a chance, of mm-hmm. course, that Temple could go cold and their offense is not great. That's the thing. You you would hope that Florida Atlantic runs it up. You know they're going to do that. The question is, can Temple get enough on the board to hit the over? That's probably the play. If I'm going to make a play here, I would feel more comfortable at least betting a total, betting an over or under, as opposed to betting one of these sides here. So if you must play Temple in Florida Atlantic, then I think that's probably the play. Maybe you go over, but then again, and Bill is putting this in the chat, and he certainly knows college basketball. The Owls, the Temple Owls offense is fairly awful. So good luck, guys, if you got to have some action on this game. Yeah, I'm looking at their effective field goal percentage. They rank 351st in the country. (laughs) I don't know how many teams there are in college basketball, but it's not more than 400. So that's not great. Not great, Bob. All right, let's go on to a game that, well, it's another big spread. But here's the thing. Minnesota matching up with number two Purdue tonight. And Minnesota has been on a covering tear, the best record in Division I basketball against the spread, sitting at 20 and three. So, Jenks, I think that lead in can make it really tempting when you're getting 16 and a half points, total of 146 and a half. So, this is a similar question. It's another big spread. Maybe this dog mm-hmm. is a little cuter than last one, maybe it doesn't have as many fleas. Are you riding with Minnesota here? If Dawson Garcia plays, that's the thing. He is the absolute key here. And I'm not trying to be funny. He got hit in the old family jewels over the weekend. Took a shot to the Nads. Could not return to the game. And he's going to be a game time decision. This is according to head coach Ben Johnson. And this this is absolutely key because A, he's their leading scorer. And then B, he's a center. So obviously Mm -hmm. he would match up against Zach Eady. So... If you're going to, I like Minnesota a lot, but if Garcia doesn't play, then that's a big problem because you're losing points and you're losing probably your most key defender, at least in this matchup. Purdue has not been good at home this season against the number. I would lean Minnesota, but make sure that Garcia is going to play. That is the real linchpin of this handicap. Okay. So this is a blind spot for me because obviously I can't relate. Do you think he'll really sit out because he got hit in the crotch? You know, normally I would say probably not, but here's the thing. When you get hit in the crotch, normally, all right, like it's uh, awful pain, right? And then eventually it subsides and then you're okay most of the time. But when you get hit in the nads and then you can't go back, and which is what happened against Iowa, he got hit so hard, he could not go back in the game. So, and if a couple days later, like it's Thursday, if you got hit between the legs on a Sunday and then on a Thursday, your coach is like, we don't know if he's going to be able to go. Then clearly this is more than just your average injury. So normally I would say, ah, he'll suck it up. He'll play. But if he's still questionable for this game days later, this was more than just your average shot to the crotch. So I would say, be careful. I think he will play. It's a big game, but it's, it's not, normal based on what you normally see for guys who get take a shot and they come back in the game (laughs) i think this is the one instance where mansplaining (laughs) is okay because clearly something i'm not familiar with it still hurts (laughs) but not the same deal uh but just from a covering perspective like if i were to take any side it would be minnesota some of the best teams that they have played 
uh, in the Big Ten, they've ran with. Like, took Northwestern to overtime and beat them. Hey, uh, hung with Iowa in a, a scoring fest. Uh, a five-point game, still a loss, but still. I think this team has a good shot at keeping it close with a Purdue team that has not been great at covering numbers. Just 5-1 and uh, just 6-5-1 and one against the spread at home this season. So sometimes that's the case with the blue bloods of college hoops. You are not getting any value, and you have to lay massive numbers. So I'd take the other side, taking a look at Minnesota Coming back from the break, uh, time to look at Major League Baseball already? That's right. Spring training is officially here, and we've got your futures bets. Come and get them next on The Daily Tip. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on The Daily Tip, presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. Let's get back to the Daily Tip with Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Welcome back. <clears throat> it is a Thursday, February the 15th, and usually this is the time of year where we see pitchers and catchers reporting for spring training. That's right. As somebody who is married to someone who played baseball for a long time, for 11 years, this is the time of year that I would get sad because when I was working, this meant Jake was going back to work. And so I would be oh. stuck in whatever place that I was living in. And usually I would be spending Valentine's Day alone because pitchers and catchers had reported and whatnot. So I'm glad that that's no longer the case. But it's weird how that will forever like be a a hallmark in my memory of like this time of year where pitchers mm -hmm. and catchers are going. Um, but I didn't even ask, what are you guys doing for Valentine's Day? Do you have any big plans with Catherine? We do. We are we're going to we couldn't get together last night because I mean it's the middle of the week. But mm -hmm. so what we're going to do is on Friday, we're going to a, a new Greek restaurant here in D.C. that Catherine found. And the crazy thing about D.C. is you have to make these reservations like a billion years in advance because it's such a food and drink city. But she did it. And a few weeks ago, she was like, oh, I really want to try this place. Let's do it for Friday at the end of Valentine's Day week. So we're going to do that on Friday. And then in less than a week, we're going to go on vacation. So it's going to be a nice little nice little time together before we actually get a lot of time together so that's what we're doing what about you guys you do something last night we did not uh jake had to work um so ah. um, but we do have a trip coming up this weekend like we're going to disney oh, okay. world with my daughter so that will ah. be fun and i'm sure we'll do something fun for us maybe i'll let jake go play golf for a round or something i don't know um but i was just thinking i don't think i've ever had good greek food like, what's the staples? Heroes? Oh, God. I, this is not my area of expertise. I know that you can generally get uh, a gyro or gyro, whatever it is. But I think there's, you know, I, I really don't know. It's, I think it's just more I don't of, know anything about Greek not, food. That's I, why I, I know very I've had Mediterranean Greek food before, and I always forget like these specific dishes that they have. I've always enjoyed it, but I can't say that I go enough where I have 
I have my favorites like, oh, I know I'm going to get this. I know I'm going to get this. I don't want to get that. And I really don't know. I just know that I've had a handful of experiences and I've always enjoyed it. I went to Greece many years ago and enjoyed that quite a bit. But I, I don't know it enough to say like, you know, I can tell you the traditional Greek dishes. I mean, you can obviously get fish and there's, they, they grill meat in a certain way. And there's, you know, tzatziki, mm-hmm. if you like, you know, dips and stuff like that, but I'm, I'm not an expert at it. So I'm just kind of following Catherine's lead here. I think I've only eaten Greek food from food trucks. So it feels like an unfair thing because honestly, <laughs> right. I've never had Greek food that tasted very good. Like they have a food truck that used to be parked close to where we lived in Nashville and they would okay. always be blaring like really loud rap music. You're like, oh my God, like it's 9 a.m. on a Tuesday, but these guys were just hyped up. They had like flashing lights. So one day we stopped, uh, got this like $5, like huge meal on a plate, came with like a dessert and everything. Stomach did not feel great (laughs) after it. So maybe that's an unfair, like, you know, depiction of what Greek food really is. Maybe if it's a nice restaurant, because here's the thing. If it's a nice restaurant and they have good chefs making the food, Mm -hmm. one would think that no matter what the, what do you say, the ethnicity of the food, that it would probably be pretty good. Yeah. Oh, you would think so. Yeah. As long as you're, I mean, as long as you're getting the actual, it's like I always say, if someone is, if I'm having Greek food, I want someone who is Greek preparing it. If I'm having Mexican Mm -hmm. food, I want someone who is Mexican preparing it. Not that you can't prepare those dishes, but any sort of, you want the authenticity of someone who maybe mm-hmm. grew up like actually creating the food. Like when I was growing up in small town, West Texas, like my mom could make Mexican food, but there was a, a Mexican lady in town who made enchiladas and they were awesome. And she, they were so good because she grew up making them and her family made them. She would go around town and sell them and make a killing because people were like, nobody can make enchiladas like you can. And also those are hard to make. And she would crush because she knew how to make made them and she knew the sort of nuance that went into preparing them. So yeah, I'm a big fan of having, you know, the actual authentic food based on the people who sort of know the food better than anyone else. Yeah. I do think Mexican food is like, it's hard to go wrong. Like I've been to yeah. very few Mexican restaurants where I'm like, Oh, this is bad. Uh, so like, that's one of the power hitters when it comes to like um, foods from certain countries I think Mexican's like number one or number two for me. Like for you, from like foods across the oh, countries, yeah. what are your power rankings? Let's do your top three. Uh, Mexican food's hard to beat. I mean, come on. Oof. You can, I could eat Mexican food you could eat, I feel like, and you can have different things every night of the week and it'd still be delicious. Mm-hmm. Mexican food might be number one. I mean, where you could just like, I don't know, maybe I'll have a chimichanga tonight. Maybe I'll do enchiladas tonight. Maybe I'll just drown my face in queso because it's so delicious. Oh, my God. Double D says, always go Italian. I like Italian, but I don't know if it's in my, is it in my top three? Mm, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe it comes in at three. But Mexican is number one for me. No question. If I get good Mexican food, forget about it. Yeah, it feels like it's hard to go wrong with Mexican food. Italian food feels too heavy to me. And also maybe this is me like not being up on like the sides, but every Mm. side with Italian food, it's like, oh, you're going to have pasta with breadsticks. Like it's carbs (laughs) on carbs. Like it doesn't Mm -hmm. feel like the sides are like, you know, most of the best dishes 
like the sides are not a thing and i'm a big sides gal like i want things to have good sides that's why i would put american food you know in my top three it sounds square but i really love me some good sides from cracker brittle <laughs> or a nice steakhouse you take your pick so let's look at baseball and try to turn this into a similar conversation doesn't it feel like the dodgers are kind of like the mexican food of major league baseball they're always <laughs> right up there it feels very consistent but at the same time like they're not winning world series so i don't know what the parallel is there for mexican i guess maybe it's like you get the same mexican food even if you're going to like a little shanty is like i don't think mm -hmm. there's a big step up when you go to like quote unquote a really nice mexican restaurant so like maybe the top in potential you know isn't there as much but you look at the roster for the Dodgers. Oh my goodness. Like it's hard to make a case against them. But here's the thing. It is always built into the number. The Dodgers are your favorites to win the World Series this year over at BetMGM. And number one, they signed Otani, who was the reigning MVP mm -hmm. of the American League. And uh, is it the American League? God, he's played... I don't even know. God, I need to do some refresher course. Yes, the American <laughs> League. Good God, Chelsea. But still, it wasn't just Otani. They signed Tyler Glasnow as well. But we have seen this story before, my friends. The Dodgers make a flurry of big name acquisitions. But mm -hmm. yet, how many World Series do they have to show for it? What, one since like 1970-something? So, Jenks, I think that's the case against the Dodgers is the fact that they have done this before. They've opened up the checkbook, but yet it hasn't resulted in a World Series win. So are you taking the Dodgers off the menu for your futures bets? Yes, I am, until they prove otherwise. I'm, it's not like they're jinxed or anything else, but my God, they they unless you're getting really good value with the Dodgers, and right now you're not getting really good value with the Dodgers, then I just don't think they're worth it. Every single year, I feel like we talk about the same thing, which I understand, right? It's every year, it's the Dodgers. It's the Dodgers. It's the Dodgers. Oh, they signed somebody else. It's the Dodgers. Oh, guess what? They they folded the they folded the Mariners lineup into the Dodgers. The Astros are coming over. They're playing. like You could have an all-star team under the Dodgers moniker, and they find a way to fold each and every postseason. At some point, my God, they've signed enough talent where they have to break through. The odds are telling you that this is the year, but I'm not banking on it based on the odds. No, I can't do it. Usually this is where I try to look for something that's price dependent because the question when it comes to betting on futures is, is this still going to be a good price come the midseason? So looking a little mm -hmm. further down the list, and here's a question I have for you since you're kind of in the area, because I kind of like the Orioles, 14 to 1. Does new ownership mean something when it comes to handicapping a team? Uh, you know, maybe you're looking at midseason. Maybe new ownership mm -hmm. means that they'll make more big-name deals because that was the problem for the Orioles last year is that at the trade deadline, it felt to me that like they didn't do enough. They traded for Jack Flaherty. They did something to uh, add more depth to their starting rotation, but he wasn't a number one. Now they've done it. They've went and got Corbin Burns to bolster their rotation. Somebody who we know has lights out stuff, can really miss some bats. I think this will be a huge addition for the postseason. But Jenks, do you think I'm grasping at straws here? The fact that they have no. new ownership and saying, okay, this could make a tangible difference this season. 
I don't know how soon that difference will be made, but I absolutely think it will happen sooner than later. And this is an Orioles organization. This is a fan base that has been dying for new ownership for so long because when you have an owner who has decided, here's the thing. If you if you own a Major League Baseball franchise, an NFL franchise, whatever, you can be a bad owner. You can be a cheap owner and still make money just by virtue of the fact mm-hmm. that these franchises are – they're just money makers. They just are. You just have to decide how much you want to spend. But ultimately, whether it's a lot or a little, then you're going to make cash. So you can be really hamstrung by an ownership group or a family that owns a team that says, we're just not going to spend that much. And that has been the problem with the O's. Now you've got a group coming in who wants to win, who sees the potential. I think it's going to happen, if not this season then very soon. So I don't think you're off at all. I th- The fact that they signed Burns already is a pretty clear indicator that they're trying to win now. Yeah. Uh, and usually the question mark is, will they play in the AL East? This is a really tough division. And we got to at least mention, yes, we know the Yankees signed Juan Soto, which I will say is an A-plus move. This is something they needed in their lineup. A consistent for average and for power hitter that's going to absolutely feast at Yankee Stadium, but I don't know if it's enough. And you're never getting value on the New York Yankees. They have the four shortest odds to win it all over at BetMGM. Hour three is next on the Daily Tip. Uh, We switch gears back to the NBA next on the Daily Tip. For more, listen to the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern on the BetQL Network, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.